Hello and welcome to Aragon, where we have concluded our latest triple header. We are here then for after the flag, post Grand Prix of Teruel, after three weeks away. We'll go into our final three weeks with the championship still alive and kicking. But Franco Morbidelli, our latest winner in MotoGP, taking his second victory of the season. That's a very happy Sam Lowe's. He's just won the Moto2 race, which is why he's got a big smile on his face. I'm Steve Day, joined by Matt Burt and Simon Crafar. And apologies if you can hear the Red Bull rookies in the background. Franco Morbidelli on the podium today, ahead of the two Suzukis of Alex Rins and Juan Mir. Guys, if, if possible, what I, I want to start just with the race start itself and just talk about Taka Nakagami before we talk about the rest of the results, of course. Such a brilliant weekend for Taka right up until the start of the race, five corners in, and the dreams are just completely crushed in a heartbeat. What a disappointing and heartbreaking day for the Japanese rider. Oh, mate, when well, we were all absolutely gutted and devastated for him, aren't we? So imagine how Tak is feeling right now. I mean, he did everything right the whole weekend. Awesome on Friday, brilliant on Saturday, and you really did think, I thought, genuinely, he was going to win the race day because he looked so, so strong. I think the team have told him over the last few weeks you've got to be more aggressive at the start. <laughs> and then, of course, you could see through that turn five, he looked like he was a lot faster than any other lap over the weekend, certainly a lot wider, uh, and with that full fuel tank and the, and the cold front tyre. You know, I think all of our hearts collectively sank for Nakagami because to have done all the good work, for it to all be undone without even a lap completed, it was a horrible way for a great weekend for him to end. And really, you've got to say, sadly, that's it. That's curtains for his championship challenge as well. Your heart must go out to him, for him, Simon. I mean, you, you'll know what he feels like being on pole position, but everything was pointing towards him having a good day and a podium at least. Yeah, um, we were talking about it last night together and he'd done everything right, as Matt said. You looked at it, he was the strongest guy, the favourite on paper. But I was hesitant to call him for the win because he hadn't got a podium He's before. He's not done it before. And so yeah. he hasn't had that experience of fighting for the win. But... I really thought he'd be in that fight. Oh, I'm super sad for him. And as Matt said, it looked to me, cold front tyre, helped by a full fuel tank, bit of aggression. <laughs> yeah, poor old Tucker. And, and MotoGP is so tough to call at this moment in time. I can barely hear myself think with these bikes coming fast. <laughs> um, not many people had Franco Morbidelli down as a winner. Uh, ironically, last week, I know well, that I did you last had week, yeah. Franco Morbidelli down to win, and, and ultimately he faded, but he certainly did not fade today. No, better late than never, wasn't it, for my race-winning choice for Franco Morbidelli? I think it was key, Stephen. How key it will be? Well, we, we saw in the race, you know, he late on he came to the grid, medium front tyre, soft rear tyre, and then right at the last minute, Ramon Ficada, I think they looked at him and went, maybe we'll try the medium. You could see clearly what happened with Franco. He didn't make the start, was behind Nakagami. As soon as Taka jumped off, Franco just thought, right, I'm going to get my head down now, really, really push, try and let Alex Rins burn up the soft tyres that he was on. And it seemed to work absolutely, tactically, perfectly for Franco Mubadeli. His pace didn't really deviate at any stage during the race. It looks like post-race it was a, a tactical masterstroke, a bit of genius work by him and Ramon Ficard. And, of course, that victory for Frankie as well. That really fires him back into championship contention. All the talk this weekend about yeah. how much he might help out Fabio Quattararo. Well, by Portimao, it might be actually Fabio having to help out Franco, the way it's going at the moment. How bizarre. He's only, I think, 11, 12 points down on Fabio after that result. 25 points down overall in the championship. As Matt just said, clearly a, a key decision made on the grid to go for the medium, yeah. medium options. But also
also over the weekend you spoke to Wilco and they've made setting adjustments. He was 13 seconds quicker today than he was one week ago. Stunning. Um, the things that stand out to me was, you know, Franco at the beginning of the race fighting against people on soft tyres was as fast as anyone. It was unreal. And I think it, he, he, it's the ride of the day. It was absolute class. He, he didn't seem to put a foot wrong super fast and stretched everyone out, you know. Made it maybe not the close fight we were hoping for, but it just, I think... He's an underrated rider, you know. I know, I think not enough people um, consider him as a world champion contender, you know. Like, I mean, for the future as well. It, it was absolute class. Let's move on to the Suzuki's, guys. Uh, Juan Mir finishing in third today behind his teammate Alex Rins again. That's the second week on the trot. Uh, Alex Rins still in championship contention just as well as a result of this. He went for the soft soft, which was a gamble also on the grid. And I think all of us at that point probably thought, well, Rins might well just bolt at the start, struggle at the end, and Mir will all close. I think we all thought that would happen, but it, it wasn't the case. No, I think Alex's and Suzuki's master plan before the race was to go for the soft front, soft rear tyre, Steve, make the same kind of start he did one week ago from the fourth row. And if he'd have got the whole shot, I think Alex's tactics were just to try and bolt, try and build up that lead, knowing that he was going to be strong in those final 10 laps. He, Alex can manage, and the Suzuki can manage the rear and the front tyre exceptionally well. The problem was he didn't bank on Frank and Morbidelli making the start. And as Simon said, Franco was so, so good on the medium. I mean, Mitchell had said over the last couple of races, it takes two or three laps before you can really, really push with confidence and attack on those mediums. So I think as soon as Morbidelli made the start, Alex probably thought he might be in a little bit of trouble here and realised as well that when he saw Franco running the speed and consistency as he was, I think Alex probably thought, you know what, I'm going to lock down into championship mode here and take that second place because it's been a massive week. 45 points out of 50 for Rins. He's right back in the game. Yeah, what do you think of the Suzuki's? Again, impressive stuff from, from the pair of them. Both yeah, the, Suzuki's on the podium once more. The things that stood out for me for, for example, um, Alex Rins, being able to run, like you said, soft front, soft rear, he's, I think, the only guy that can run that soft front. You know, the Suzuki's managed the rear well, but he can, like you said, Matt, manage the front as well. He has to be super smooth or, you know what I mean, not aggressive on which it. Which he to be is, which he is by nature. Amazing yeah. to be able to do it, because I genuinely thought that he would fall into the clutches of Juan Mir. But at the end, I didn't see what I was hoping to see from Juan, meaning put pressure on them at the end. But I think that was purely down to two things. Juan having to come through from 12th, maybe using some more of that left side of the rear tyre trying to make those overtakes, not, not being able to save it. Secondly, um, Frankie, Franco Morbidelli stretched everyone out, so they're all just hammer, you know, so he, you know what I'm saying, he didn't have um, any more speed to come back at the end. There's no doubt about it though, when it comes to Juan Mir, he is the championship favourite going into the last three. Of course, he's extended his lead slightly, but six podiums in eight races. He is the only man, it seems, at this moment who has any sort of consistency when it comes to turning up to new circuits. Yeah, and when you see the fortunes of other riders like Davizioso and Quattararo fluctuating so much, it's going to be the guy that the flatlines, the consistent podium finisher like Juan Mir is at the moment that's going to have a real advantage when we get to the business end of the championship. I mean, he's creeping ever towards that MotoGP title, but creeping ever 
towards that kind of unwanted accolade of being this the Motor GP champ no, this is the without thing. winning a race. Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? Because I'm actually now starting to genuinely believe that we could be in that scenario. I mean, I Mir doesn't not. have to. I, I mean, I hope he wins a race. If he's going to become world champion, you want to see that guy winning the race. But ultimately speaking, if he's in a position where he can't fight anymore for the win and he wins it, it's such a bizarre scenario we're in, but it's starting to feel like maybe <laughs> it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, anything's possible since <laughs> 2020. Um, I, if I had to put money on it, I think Juan will win one before the end. I, I just, he's been so close, so often, so consistent. If he keeps going like this, it's got to happen. So I'm hoping it's before he the end. He might be caught though between a bit of a rock and a hard place because how much does he really, really push yeah. to get that first yeah, win exactly. and taking that risk, yeah. then really maybe compromise yeah. his world championship position as well. So I'm going to be really fascinated actually over these next three races to see how Mia deals with that whole scenario. I mean, as Simon said, you know, the guy's got a real experienced old head on young shoulders. So I, I think he will win, but it will be fascinating to see how he deals with that scenario. Okay, we've got quite a bit to try and cram in now to the last bit of after the flag. I want to start with uh, Dovi and Quattararo and Vinales, three other guys in the championship. Dovi, first of all, um, disaster weekend for Ducati. At one point in the race, it was looking like he might be able to salvage something, but ultimately, are we all now agreeing that maybe Dovi's just a bit too far away in terms of just speed in general? to yeah, win I, this championship? I, I was lucky enough to catch a quick word with uh, Davide Tadozzi before he came here and because I wanted to know what they're thinking at the moment and he just said, uh, we are, like, technically are not uh, getting the best out of that rear tyre. And I said, so it's front or rear that was giving you the main problem in the race? He said, rear tyre, we destroyed it, you know, we couldn't, didn't have the grip. And uh, he just said, it's not the rider's fault, not Michelin's fault, we're not making that tyre work. That's what we've got to work on. Uh, yeah, no problem with front tyre. So. And, and the two Yamaha boys as well, Fabio Quattararo and Maverick Vinales, just seem to be fading a little. Uh, a very crucial moment in this World Championship. The pair of them, Matt, after this race here, they've only had four top five finishes all year. Yeah, I mean, Fabio Quattararo, it's been a disastrous couple of weeks for him here in Aragon. I mean, he's not really been able to gel with the Michelin tyres here. I think he can't wait to get out of this place and try and regroup, come back strong in Valencia. Maverick Vinales, he rolled the dice on the line, switched very late on to that soft front tyre. It clearly wasn't working for Maverick in the race. I mean, when you look at those two guys, Vinales won podium in the last nine or something like that. Quattararo, six out of the last eight races. He's not even inside the top six. And poor old Dovi, I mean, for me, it's a painful watch right now for Andrea Vizioso because that guy is just far, far better than what he's showing right now. This is the guy that pushed Mark Marquez close to the championship the last couple of years. Yeah, right now, he can't buy a top six. He's nowhere near, has not got any speed at all. Uh, and what's worse for Dovi, of course, and Ducati is that we're going to Valencia and, and traditionally speaking, Ducati do not work there and it will be quite cold. Uh, KTM, really good day for them. Polis Bargaro, fourth. Miguel Oliveira, sixth place. And Ika Lekawona in ninth as well. What an outstanding job. What a step forward, more importantly, from last week. Yeah, uh, just like Mizano. I was wondering if they could make that fight back. And KTM always do, don't they? They yeah. always, and as Pitt Byra said, they lack data. You know, they turn up to tracks and they're scratching their head. They're not sure because they haven't got the same amount of experience. Um, but they did. They fought back. They didn't get a podium like in Mizano, but fourth's pretty close. Uh, I know it wasn't a close finish, but I think they've got to be pretty happy with that KTM. A disappointing day for a few riders. Alex Marquez tucking the front. We'll never know exactly how far he would have been able to go forward. That is a big one. I managed to catch up with the team and say, what happened? Was it 
that hard front and they went Alex said no it was his fault big apologies to the team so what a shame. real shame we could have seen him on the podium again arguably I think I agree yeah. with that also yeah. Alasia Spargaro a mechanical oh. when he was up inside the top 10 Alasia did not deserve that did he I mean if there's one guy out there I mean we say God loves a try well that's Alasia Spargaro all over isn't it I mean he was doing things on that Aprilia today fighting bikes like the KTM's and the Ducatis that are far, far superior, particularly in terms of horsepower. So the work he was having to do on other parts of the circuit, having been blitzed on that back straight, I mean, I take my hat off to him and he, he didn't deserve that. I mean, that was cruel. Cool. It, it looked like he was going to be top eight. Yeah, a blow up in sixth gear. I mean, not the first time, sadly, we've seen Aprilia run into a few reliability problems, but Aleish, that was a tough one to swallow. Uh, and of course, over at turn two on the opening lap, uh, collision between Jack Miller and Brad Binder. We'll never know really what Jack had in store today. Quite a radical setup change. Brad Binder will be frustrated, particularly because the KTMs looked like they were having a better day. Uh, so, disappointment for them. Uh, Joanne Zarco, guys, for me, one of the rides of the day. Yeah. I mean, absolutely outstanding job to defend as well. And he just was not giving up any position. What a ride. He was the only Ducati in the fight, wasn't he, really? You know, it was really impressive and I'm sure all of the other crew chiefs and riders with Ducatis are looking at his data and saying how's he doing it you know yeah he was making shapes on that Ducati oh, today. <laughs> he's so awesome to watch yeah. isn't he Sarko you know right now he's the man that's getting the best or certainly here this weekend he, he could use that Michelin rear tyre in a much better way than the other Ducatis I think Davizioso was saying that you know he's very very smooth on the throttle so at lean angle he can feed the power back in and not lose the grip or he can create the grip that the other guys are lacking, but I mean, it was like Moto2 all the over again for Mika Zarco. I mean, there was guys that came through on him that were clearly faster. You like so Polispargaro, Miguel Oliveira, but when they did get him, I mean, at the very next corner, he thought, okay, if that's the way it's going to be, straight back underneath him. I mean, that <laughs> is the sign time. of a guy that was leaving it all out there. I mean, he was a leading light for Ducati on a, a pretty tough weekend for the Bologna boys. Cal Crutchlow was in the top 10 again today as well, but we haven't really got time to analyse anymore because we need to get home. We've been out for three weeks. I've got to say massive thanks to everyone behind the scenes as well. And a big thanks to Simon Crafar for cooking up a storm over the last <laughs> couple of weeks here in Aragon. Thanks for joining us. The final triple header coming up. Two Valencias and a Portugal. We cannot wait. MotoGP is well alive and kicking. We'll see you next time in Valencia.